and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We've made hints, we've, we've kind of brought you into it, um, but our theme for the year is Kingdom Company. So what I think is interesting is Jesus himself talked a lot about the kingdom of God knowing that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all about the earthly life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. I found it really interesting that in the four Gospels, the kingdom is mentioned 126 times, but in the rest of the letters of the New Testament, we only see the kingdom mentioned 34 times. In the Gospel, it's mentioned more than double the amount of times than the rest of the New Testament. Why is that? Well, part of the reason that the kingdom is talked about so often in the four gospels is because it was a hot topic with Jesus. It's because of how often Jesus would mention the things of the kingdom. So for us, what is the kingdom? Where, where is the kingdom of God? What is it? Where is it? What's our role in the kingdom of God? So to help us grow in our understanding, I wanna look at these two passages which seemingly contradict each other but maybe they don't. Let's look, Luke 19, verse 11, it says this. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, the temple city, the, this, the, the, one of the most important cities of the day, because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. In essence, Jesus is saying there's this expectancy that a Messiah is going to come, that he's going to set up an earthly reign, an earthly kingdom, and he's going to free the Jewish people from their oppression, right? But Jesus tells a parable to bring them in to the reality that the kingdom of God won't begin right away. But what I find so interesting is just a few chapters before that in Luke 17, Jesus said this, check this out. Luke 17, verse 20. One day the Pharisees, they asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? A blatant question, a quick ask, right? When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. What? Wait, wait, is the kingdom of God not yet? Or is the kingdom of God among us? Jesus, I think you're confused. What's going on here? Now, before I answer that question, I think we have to have a correct interpretation of what that word kingdom really represents in the scriptures and what it means when it's being thrown around in these passages. We hear kingdom, and if you're anything like me, you think of a place, you think of a palace, you think of a moat, you think of villages with piles of straw hay and peasants inhabiting. On the weekends, they get in armor and they joust on horses, okay? Am I the only one who thinks of a knight's tale when we think of kingdom? But maybe that's not necessarily the case. I, he I hear kingdom and my mind goes to that, but in its context, a more accurate interpretation of what scripture means when it uses the word kingdom is that it's much more about reign than it is about realm, okay? 
It's much more about the rule than it is the place that people inhabit. Remember, God's purpose for the world, you're taking notes, here's a good one. God's purpose for the world is to save a people for himself. That's us, his church. He's coming back and then he's going to renew the world for that people to dwell with him for eternity. This is God's purpose, okay? God's heavenly kingship or lordship is established in the earth through Jesus dying and resurrecting on the cross. King Jesus establishes reign, not by giving us laws or rules to follow, but by depositing his spirit within us that leads us and guides us to submission. There's, when, when we submit to the spirit, when we yield to the spirit of God, we are simultaneously yielding to King Jesus. This is how we become a company of kingdom people. As we make Jesus Lord of our lives, his kingship, it implies a, a saving, redeeming activity for those who believe in him, who follow him, who submit to him. This is why Jesus teaches his disciples in Matthew 6 when they sit down and they have a conversation. Part of his prayer begins, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is implying, let your reign take place here on earth. Let things be carried out on earth in alignment with your perfect will as it is in heaven. It's about his reign. It's about his rule. It's about submitting yourselves to his lordship. Those who confess with their mouths, Jesus is, will be saved. This, this is a prayer this is a prayer that is saying, God, fully reign here on earth as you do in heaven. But again, if, if the kingdom of God is not yet, but at the same time it is at hand, if it's present and it's future, how is that possible? Anybody lost yet? I'd like to suggest, I keep spitting everywhere, sorry, front row, get, get your face shields. Anyone got extras? Face mask, something? I don't know what's going on, but uh, yeah. Maybe it's the no caffeine of this fast, just got me, my body freaking out, okay? I'd like to suggest that the kingdom is established and being established in two ways. One, the kingdom of God is established now, here and today, in the hearts of those who submit themselves to the Lordship of Jesus. So as, as, we, as we submit ourselves to Jesus, as he becomes Lord of our life, the kingdom of heaven increases with each person who does so. As we accept our invitation into the kingdom of heaven, by his spirit at work within us, we begin to live as citizens of heaven. But the second part of this is Jesus came, he died, he rose again. He took our sin. A little newsflash, church, he's coming back. Amen? And there's going to be a second time. And it is when Christ comes a second time that he will complete his reign in the kingdom by establishing a new heaven and a new earth on which we will dwell forever. And Pastor Steve alluded to the transform earth. Believers will inhabit in eternity. And as believers, we're expectant for the coming of Christ in the day in which he will make all things new, in the day in which he will wipe away all the tears and all the pain, and, and we will live in a perfected realm. But in, in the vein of that first point, because that's where we're at right now, right? We're not in eternity yet. You and I, we're here on earth. In the vein of the first point, 
Submitting ourselves to Jesus's lordship collectively is how this body is gonna live and breathe as a company of kingdom people. So this is our focus for 2022. We are gonna commit ourselves to Jesus's lordship. We're gonna live as a company of kingdom people. We're gonna share in the dominion we've received through Christ. Now also remember, you know, because we think of King Jesus and all of a sudden we think of, you know, the verses where Jesus, Jesus is our friend and, you know, he's tender. We think of that word king and it's like, I don't know, we think of monarchy, we think of power, we think of these, it has almost this aggressive connotation, but he's a heavenly king, okay? Remember in John 13, Jesus, the scripture says Jesus knew he had all authority on heaven and on earth, so he fills up a basin of water and washes feet. That's our king. That's what leadership looks like in the, in the kingdom of heaven. So this word king is not to be an intimidation word, right? This, just understand who this king is. This is a king. This is a savior. This is a Lord worth following, worth submitting our life to. Amen. So it is with great joy I introduce Kingdom Co. as, um, you know, our theme for the year. I'm expectant for all the Lord is going to do through it. And uh, I'm expecting to see what happens in this community as we take a year to emphasize our commitment to the Lordship of Jesus, which is always the goal of the church, as you know that. But I anticipate unfolding this whole theme throughout the entirety of the year. I may have to you know, obviously we still want to see transformation, but might have to redo some of the stickers in the building as well. Okay. Hey, let's pray. And then we'll jump into this word. Does that sound good? Come on. I know it's snowing. I, I know we, it's cold outside. Maybe the room's not as full as it normally is, but I believe the Lord has something for you today. Amen. You got faith for that? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the opportunity to be in your house, to uh, read through your word together, to just soak it in. Father, I pray for an anointing over every word that comes out of my mouth, that it would penetrate hearts, that the seed of your truth would take root in our hearts, that it would grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't wanna just hear your word. We wanna live it out. We wanna apply it to our lives. We wanna be transformed by it develop us, shape us, mold us in, into a company of kingdom people. Jesus, we submit to your lordship. Help us do it through the power of your spirit. And Father, I pray that this church would continue fostering kids in Jesus' name, amen. Cool little testimony, you know, as people in our church begin to foster kids, they have to get recommendation letters, you know? And uh, it's funny because people will call and they'll be like, hey, so how do you know this couple or, you know, this person who's... Uh, trying to foster these kids. And we'll say, oh, they're our friends and we're their pastor. Oh, that's cool. Where do you pastor? And we'll be like Destiny Church in Marshfield. They'll be like, oh, wow, we've heard so much about how you guys are getting involved in the foster community and bringing in kids and we're making impact. And so we pray it every week and the Lord right in front of us is answering this prayer. So I thought that was pretty special. And I'm just proud of y'all for um, leaning into that vision and for loving sacrificially and ultimately being obedient to what the word says as that pure and genuine religion is this, uh, to care for the orphan and the widow. So keep going in Jesus name. Amen. Today we begin a new series titled Royals. And the premise of the whole series is, is really an exhortation for us to cultivate relationships that are kingdom driven relationships. 
Today, I, I want to basically broadly address the family. I, I want to kind of do a broad stroke here. I'll jump around a little bit throughout the message. And then in the weeks to come, we'll get more specific with what this looks like and what the dad's role looks like and mom's role looks like and so on. But one thing I've always found intriguing about one of Paul's letters when he's specifically addressing what some of what, what some expectations or standards are for church leaders, one of the specific thing that he lists, if you're going to be an overseer or an elder in the church, a teacher in the church, a leader in the church, one of the things that should happen in the life of the people who do that is they should manage their household well. That's interesting, right? But at the same time, kind of seems like a realistic expectation. If you're going to be leading other people, how do you lead your people, right? So I, I think that instruction is a strong indicator of two things for us here. The first one is this. The Lord deeply, deeply cares about the conditions of our families. And he desires and has a will for what those look like. Father, let, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I really believe that the Lord has a will for the dynamic of our families, okay? And we are to come into alignment with what the Lord would suggest our households look like, okay? So he cares. The Lord cares what's going on in our homes. He cares about the condition of our families. Two, as believers, I, th I think it'd be our heart that you and I, you know, I understand that this is a qualification or a standard for a leader in the church, but if I'm not mistaken, all of us as believers, we want to follow Jesus well, yeah? And, and okay, so if, there is, if there's an expectation on a church leader, you know, in the group of believers, maybe that's an expectation whether I'm a leader or not. I want to wear for myself because I want to bring God, God glory in every aspect of my life. Is that fair to say? Like, I'm not a teacher, but you know what? If that's what it looks like to follow Jesus well, then sign me up. That's what I want to do. So I think it does two things. It shows us God's heart for the home, but it also is an exhortation, a challenge for us as believers to step into and to practice ourselves. So our, our whole theme for 2022 is about the kingdom in Jesus's lordship in our life. So every week as we, as we talk about these, these things, it's not just about living better. It's not just about behaving better. It's about what it looks like to submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus. Okay, it's gonna be good. So I, uh, I quote this verse at, at the end of almost every service when, when we're doing an altar call. And it's Romans 10, nine. It's really familiar with you guys, I would assume, but it says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, okay? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to take that, just pluck that word Lord out of there. Put it on our screen right here. Go back to the original Greek. How do we pronounce it? Kyrios. Okay, that's what it means. Kyrios. What does that word mean? What did it mean in that context? When they say, when you confess and believe Jesus is Lord, what is, what is Paul insinuating to us that that means for our perspective towards Christ? 
That word kyrios is defined like this. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding. Therefore, Jesus is our kyrios. We belong to him. He decides what my life looks like. When I make him Lord, that's what happens. All of a sudden, it's not about my will, it's about your will. It's not about my desires, it's about your desires for my life. There, there's a, and I just wonder, this is, this is a challenging thought. Those who confess and believe Jesus is Lord. Are we living though, like Jesus is Lord of our lives? We declare Jesus is Lord. We pray it corporately almost every week. But do our lives illustrate that we belong to Jesus and Jesus is the decision maker and the culture creator for our lives? Do we live like he's master or he's Lord? Another definition stated the word here used for Lord, that kyrios word, what it also means is one who has control of the other person. Macy was a little short on volunteers today back in kids, but every week the staff, we sit together and we read our Bibles. You should probably do that if you're in the ministry, right? So we're reading through Romans and it's just talking about grace and sin and how, you know, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds more, but we're not, that doesn't mean you just keep on sinning. And we had a talk about sanctification and really that's just a fancy word for becoming more and more like Christ. And Macy just quickly mentioned, she goes, you know, I learned this illustration as a kid, I think across the street at the Nazarene church, you know, if you if you come from the Nazarene church, you know, sanctification is a huge part of their emphasis and their theology, which I really appreciate. And it is my as well. But she said, this is, this is to believe in Jesus is, is to let him in the car. But that sanctification process, making him Lord is to say, no, I got to get out. I'm going to go around to the passenger. Jesus, you jump in the driver's seat. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to take us? You're, you're in the driver's seat. I'm not in the driver's seat. I thought that was a simple and easy illustration. It is when we make Jesus Lord of our lives, It is when we make Jesus Lord of our lives that we live in the fullness of his good and pleasing and perfect will. And that's not to say that even though we're in his will, that we won't face challenges and trials and trauma because Jesus said, take heart, trouble's coming. Anybody been serving Jesus well, following Jesus well, and trouble came? At least he told us, right? Jesus told us. But here's what I know, when we're faithful, when we abide, when, when we don't grow weary in doing good, when we abide, there's a divine covering that we live under and that we live within as we walk through our trials. So even though it makes no sense for me to have joy through this, for some reason I got joy. Even though it makes no sense for me to have peace through this, I have a divine covering. It is him and only him who can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. And we see him do it time and time again with character after character in the scriptures. I mean, the cross is a perfect picture of it. These are people trying to eliminate Jesus from the earth. That was the intention of the cross. This is a criminal's death. We glorify it now. It means something beautiful now, but it didn't then. But God takes what the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for good. So as we, make, as we make Jesus Lord of our lives, we can actually experience peace in the chaos of life. It's crazy, huh? 
But here's, here's the question. Here's where I want to get to. Have we made Jesus Lord of our families? Is he Lord of our homes? In these weeks to come, we'll discover that the Lord has a clear vision of what he desires and what he wills for the family and for those in the kingdom, for what it to look like. Fathers have a role. Mothers have a role. Kids have a role. I know you don't believe me, but even teenagers got a role in the home, okay? All my parents who have teenagers, I'm praying for you extra. To be a part of this church community is gonna edify your spirit. It's gonna challenge you. It's gonna encourage you. It's important for the brethren to gather, to not forsake the gathering of the brethren, right? And I'm all for it. This community is gonna hold you accountable. It should, you know? There, there's, we need to gather together. That's a part of this walk. That's a part of his lordship in our, in our lives. But if we wanna maximize the kingdom impact that we have and our families have, there has to be a shift in what or whom is lord of our family. What are we submitting to? As you reflect on the conversations you have with each other, as you ponder on what your family prioritizes most, as you assess how you love one another, what you spend the most time doing, do your actions, thoughts, words, does your life illustrate, communicate, illuminate that Jesus is Lord of your home? I just wonder. I went to breakfast with a guy like a year ago. He wasn't attending church anywhere and I wanted him to come to our church so I bought him breakfast, you know. It's the best way to get them. Come on, <laughs> fishers of men. Some people fish with worms, others fish with sausages, you know. I don't know, breakfast sausage. That wasn't in my notes, I just made that up. That was pretty good, Mike Carey, what do you think? Awesome. So we're out, you know, at breakfast and, and just talking, and he's good with the Lord, he loves the Lord. But you know, as, as we got to the end of the conversation, he, he sat there and his eyes started welling up thinking, but I know, I know I need to get in church for my family. And I, and, and I want my kids to have it. And it's important to me, you know? Here's the deal. If we're not careful, church, if, if we don't prioritize his lordship in our homes, now hear me, church attendance isn't prioritizing the Lord in your home. I'm not saying those two things equate each other. Okay, that's a part. If we're a kingdom family, we commit ourselves to attending church because it's gonna edify our spirits. It's where we gather with other believers. It's where we help one another and learn of each other's needs and pray together. So it's fruit, but it's, it's more than that. This needs to bleed into our home, into every aspect of our life. And if we don't prioritize his lordship in our homes, something else is gonna be priority. Something's gonna take priority, Right? In fact, if we, don't, if we don't lead our homes, if we don't set the priority, everyone in our home might get a different priority. And then what do we have in our homes? They're divided. A house divided against itself doesn't stand. There's, there's chaos in our homes, right? Maybe not in the physical where, you know, it's blatantly crazy and there's holes in the wall and but, the, but our heart, 
But our spirit, that's what this is all about. We were created through him, for him. It's what this is all about. So if that's not the priority, it doesn't matter what the other priority is, whether it's good or bad. It's not the right priority. There's something incredibly powerful about agreement. And if our home, we will submit ourselves to his lordship, what happens in our homes is we come into agreement. Check out what Matthew says about agreement in chapter 18. He says, I'll also tell you this. If two of you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, guess what? God starts doing stuff. That's pretty important, right? I'll also tell you this. If, if two or three, or if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. There's something about agreement between believers that stirs up the spirit of God. Verse 20, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there. Come on, agreement is an invitation for the presence of God to inhabit our homes. Anybody listening? If Jesus isn't Lord of our families, if we're not cultivating kingdom families, our homes will be susceptible to the chaos of the world that we're living in. Y'all don't want your teenagers, TikTok being the priority. I'm gonna promise you that. And this is partly the reason that I make efforts to say the priestly blessing over you after every single service. And I would strongly encourage you to begin praying this over your families. Now I am um, breaking all my exegetical rules here and I'm just like throwing this scripture at us and taking one little point out of it. I'm not setting up the context of who's involved and what was going on in that day and all of that, but just give me grace because there's just one little word of, of when, when, when the Lord gives Moses instruction to instruct Aaron to pray this over the people of Israel. I just wanna quickly look at one of the things the Lord had him to pray and what that tells us about God's desire for his people and for his families. Is that okay? So I'm cheating a little bit, but deal with it. All right, here we go. Number six, 22 through 27. It says this, then the Lord said to Moses, for Moses to tell Aaron, I want you to say this blessing over the, over the uh, people of Israel. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his Shalom, his peace. And whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will move on their behalf. I myself will bless them. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace, give you shalom. And verse 26, give you shalom. That word peace, may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Um, I just want to quickly address again. Okay, so we're going to take down Kyrios. We're going to put up shalom up here. Okay, the ancient Hebrew, what, is, what does that word say? What, is, what does that word tell us? What does that word insinuate? The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And shalom is a powerful word because it means completeness soundness, safety, health, welfare, prosperity. Don't cringe. I know that word's been ruined. 
but prosperity and peace. I think the Christian community has become so jaded by this world prosperity uh, because we're so paranoid. We're listening to and engaging with a prosperity gospel that preaches health, wealth, and success. And, you know, listen, you guys know I've preached on hell. I preach on sin. Right? I preach on dying to yourself. We know, we know there's a spiritual battle. We, you know, we know there's this whole flesh thing, okay? But I think it's okay to be reminded that every once in a while, The Lord loves to bless his people and he wants to bless his people. And I just believe that he so desires to see completeness in our homes. In that day he did and in this day he does. That completeness is only found under his lordship. That peace, that shalom, that prosperity, that welfare is only found under his lordship. That's what he's ushering us into. That's where he's leading us. He cares for his children. He blesses his children. What's Lord of your homes right now? What's Lord? Who does your house serve? What idols exist in your home? We're kingdom people. This church is full of kingdom families. We know who our Lord is. And Father, forgive us if we've prioritized anything over you in our homes. I can't imagine how it would impact not only this church, but even this community. If all of us collectively committed ourselves in our homes to the Lordship of Jesus. If we really yielded to the Lordship, submitted to the Spirit of the Lord. I just, not not that we're not there, and I don't want to speak death over my congregation, but if we could grow in our submission, I believe that the blessing of God would grow in our lives, that the the clarity for his will for our lives, we would begin to grow in that as well. So y'all know if I'm talking about the home and who do you serve, y'all know where I'm going. Come on, this ain't no secret. That's for me and my home. We will serve the Lord. Come on. But I'm still going to preach it. I'm still going to preach it. In Joshua 24, come on, open your Bibles. If you got your Bible, let's go. Let's go together. Let's go together. Joshua 24. I will start reading at verse 14, but I want to I lead us into verse 14 really quick. Give you some context as to what's happening exactly in this moment. As Joshua summons Joshua, right? So Moses dies. He passes the torch to Joshua. Joshua is our fearless leader. Be strong and courageous, Joshua, the Lord tells him. Joshua is our, is our strong, fearless leader. He's at the end of his life, and he, and he takes time to summon all the tribes of Israel together in Shechem. And as all the tribes are together, Joshua begins to prophesy the word of the Lord to these 12 tribes. What I mean by that, God is giving Joshua what to say. And as Joshua speaks, what he speaks is not on his own doing, but it is the Lord speaking through him. And he begins to say, the Lord through Joshua begins to say, Abraham's parents used to worship other gods but I got a hold of Abraham and I led him into the land of Canaan and I gave him many descendants. And then I sent Moses and Aaron to Egypt and I rescued you, Israel. I rescued you from Egypt. Then I brought you in the land of the Amorites, though they fought against you and I gave you victory over them and you took possession of their land. 
When you crossed the Jordan River, I came to Jericho. All these different tribes fought against you and I still gave you victory over them. The Lord said to the 12 tribes of Israel, I've given you land you did not work. I gave you towns you did not build and I gave you food you did not plant. And you're living in that place now. So I wanna pick up at Joshua 24, 14. Just immediately after all these things are said. So Joshua says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. The people of Israel had become divided. The cities they had conquered, the idols, there's contamination and in, in, in the purity of their worship. There's other things that have their attention. So, so Joshua says, fear the Lord, serve him wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, not one-fourth in your heart, wholeheartedly make him Lord. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors. Worship when they live beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you, will, who you will serve. Because if you're not serving him, if he's not Lord, something's going to be Lord. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Come on, are we just gonna chase money? And we're gonna raise our kids to go to a really good school so they can get really good jobs and make a lot of money so they can have the same quality of life that we had? Is, is that what we're after? Is that what we're here for? Is that what we prioritize? Would you prefer those gods? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites and? whose land you now live? Joshua says, for me and my house, we gonna serve the Lord. Come on, I need some families today to stand up and say, we gonna serve the Lord too. That's it. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods for the Lord our God is, is the one who rescued us from our ancestors from slavery in Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes as we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies. He preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord for he's alone. We're with you, Joshua. We want to do it too. Joshua warned the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you. And even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Joshua goes, you're a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. I don't know if he was just trying to stir him up, just trying to build some faith If this is the leader that he was. He's saying, come on, y'all, come on. Are we gonna serve him or not? Is he Lord or not? Is he the priority or not? Where are you? You say you want to, but is that true? Is that really where you're at? Come on, we gotta decide. We gotta choose today who's gonna be Lord of this home. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you. Verse 22. 
You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You've chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua said. Destroy, come on, some of y'all gotta go home today. This might be a message I break out. I actually, I sent Pastor Chad a voice message. I said, hey, I'm running through my message right now. I'm going through that passage in Joshua 24. I said, and Joshua turned to the people after he said, you know, me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord, come on. I said, and then he says this, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to God. Come on, that's a message right there. I said, I said, Chad, we need to preach a message on destroying the idols that have been in our homes. That's what we need to encourage, to, to remove anything that isn't, that isn't in line with us being a kingdom-driven family, you know, and, and I sent that off. Come on, some of us need to go home today and we need to destroy some idols. You know what that looks like. Destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. So Joshua made a covenant with people that day at Shechem, committing them to follow the decrees and the regulations of the Lord. So here's the deal. You and I, we weren't weren't rescued from Egypt and walked through the Red Sea. Uh, you know, we haven't suited up in armor and, you know, experienced crazy victory in battle. But what I do know is when Christ bore the cross, he did rescue us from the slavery of sin. Amen. And when Christ bore the cross, we received death over the greatest enemy we'll ever have in this life. And we came out victorious. So guess what? The Lord has done all those things for us. And you need to decide today, whom do you serve? The reality is we will all make something or someone Lord. Choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.